The moment that we come to Christ, are we also filled with the Holy Spirit? You're listening to The Holy Ghost from our series, God is in Us, where we are learning what it means to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Travis Davenport. For us as a church, we honestly get to see so much life change all the time. We get to see people meet Jesus all the time. We have baptism worship experiences like this a lot throughout the year. We get to hear incredible testimonies of people set free from addiction and and drugs and things like this. And here's what I want you to know. Let's never, ever take for granted what God is doing in our church. Okay? Let's never become tired of seeing and hearing the amazing stories and the amazing things that God is, is leading us through as a church. It never gets old. As I was up in this tank last week and, and there were these, uh, a couple younger girls who were getting baptized and, um, and I was standing out front talking with them beforehand and talking about them with the relationship with Jesus Christ. And it was just like little stories like that. Here's two sisters getting baptized together because they both accepted Christ around the same time and watching them. I just, I love it. I love what God is doing in our church. I love it, I love it, I love it. I hope you do too. Well, last month we spent some time walking through the book of Romans in Romans chapter eight in a series that we had entitled, God is for us. I loved it, I loved preaching it. It was fun, it was exciting. I especially loved the part, um, the verses that talk about the fact that God is for us, that we are more than conquerors. But there's a little portion in Romans chapter eight, especially verses nine through 11, that, that brings up this, this um, a question. And so we thought it would be great to be able to take an entire month to walk through this question that um, Romans 8 brings up. So we're still in Romans 8. And in fact, I'm going to ask if you would just to stand to your feet in respect for the reading of God's word. And we're going to be based in Romans 8. We're going to jump around a little bit later on. But Romans chapter 8, verse 9, listen or read along. It says this. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Obviously, Paul, the author of Romans, is speaking to his church. We are a continuation of that. So he is speaking to you. He's speaking to me. So he's saying, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the, say that word with me, spirit. If in fact the spirit of God, say this word, dwells in you. Very good. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Think about that now. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, watch this now, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. In this new series, God is in us. We're going to be examining the role of the Holy Spirit. Who is he? What is he? What is it? What does it do? How does he function? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to not be filled with the Holy Spirit? If I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, can I do something that I couldn't do if I were not filled with the Holy Spirit? We're going to take time and examine all of that. Paul brings it to light here in Romans chapter 8. And everything, every promise that he gives us in Romans chapter 8 is based on the fact that we be filled with this Spirit. So this is pretty important. It's not something that we're like, well, 
I mean, I'll, co- I'll get around to figuring out. But this is very, very important. So I'm going to ask if you would, before we start this morning, just bow your heads, close your eyes, and join me in prayer. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this great opportunity. Thank you for everyone here, everyone listening online as well. I pray that, God, you would, you would challenge our hearts today. I pray that your spirit would move freely among us. Lord, that your word would teach us beautiful truth today, Lord. And God, that we would be stretched and that we would grow. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. So I grew up in a, in a pastor's home, right? Some of you knew that. Some of you might not have. Some of you could have guessed it um, just because of my issues that I have. My wife and I are still working through my issues that I have to this day because I was raised by a pastor and, uh, and his wife. And um, so we have a group therapy session that we go to, Pastors Anonymous. It's really helpful. 12-step program and everything. You're welcome to join. Um, no, I was raised in a Baptist home. And just so you know, we, we are Southern Baptist. I don't know if you realize, some people are like, oh, I'm out of here, right? You had no idea, you got duped, but it's true. Um, but I was raised in an independent Baptist church, which means super conservative um, in, in, in a lot of ways. Now, I'm very thankful for my upbringing, but I can tell you this, right? One thing that's very true about some conservative theology, conservative evangelicalism, is we get a little uncomfortable when it comes to the Holy Spirit, don't we? Can, we? can we get an amen on that? Yeah, amen. Even for some of us not wanting to say amen, you're proving my point. We get a little uncomfortable when it comes to talking about the Holy Spirit. And listen, nobody gets that more than me. I want to be honest with you. Nobody gets that more than me. I, I remember being a young uh, little guy, and uh, I, I went to church with one of my buddies. And now he, he went to a different type of church, that I was, you know, actively involved in. Um, they weren't Baptist. They weren't anything, if that makes sense. They would have been called a non-denominational church. And, and you kind of don't really know what you're going to get. It's like that fun grab bag you get at a gift store where it's like, who knows what's inside? And you can kind of get that with a non-denominational church. You don't know what you're going to get until you open it up. And you're like, oh, wow, that's not what I was expecting. So I went with my buddy, and I was pretty young. And, uh, you know, here's what I'm used to in church up to that point in my life. I was used to a choir in robes coming out and singing in hymnals. I was used to standing up and singing out of a hymnal, sitting down, having a music minister come up and lead us, turn around and lead everybody. Then the pastor would come out in his three-piece suit and, and preach the word. You know what I mean? That's what we were, and an altar call. That's what I was used to. Love it. That's fine. My friend's church was a little bit different <laughs> because we got there. And what was fascinating is that I didn't realize that church was already happening. I thought that we were getting there late or something. He was like, no, no, we start around nine o'clock. I was like, what do you mean you start around? That? Well, like we start around nine o'clock. So what do you mean you start around nine o'clock? Well, when people just kind of get there, things like kind of start. It's like, oh, okay. And, and I was like, why are there so many people like up on the stage? Oh, well, if you want to go up there and sing, you can just go up and sing. I was like, what? You can go just go up and sing? Yeah, or if, or if you have something you want to say, like you just go up there and say it. And I was like, Oh, okay. And, and so it was a little out of the ordinary for me personally, not what I was used to. And so then we were sitting down and uh, people were singing and it was beautiful. But then it was a little, it was a little confusing because somebody stood up behind me um, and started smacking a tambourine. Now, listen, I, I was not used to that. I'm not saying I didn't like it. I'm just saying it took me off guard. Okay. It took me off guard. Somebody started like, and then they were saying words that 
I thought, I didn't, I've never heard, I was like, I, what are you saying? I don't know, other, I'm not bilingual, I don't know what's going on. And they're saying things, they're smacking a tambourine. And then over here to the left, some dude stood up and he, and I don't know how he smuggled this in, but he launched a flag and that was like, like nine feet tall. And he just started waving the flag back and forth. And I'm mesmerized, okay? Because here's 40 people on stage, a woman with a tambourine saying stuff I have no idea about. And then this guy with a flag just going like this. And then out of nowhere, I'm fascinated by the way. I'm like, this is the most fun I've ever had going to somebody's church. Then out of nowhere, some dude from the back street, like starts running up to the front and back, just running like he's doing like lines, like for basketball, you know what I'm talking about? Like he's doing two, he's doing the lines, like back and forth, running back. And then he starts sprinting around and I'm like, what is going on? And my friend's just sitting there just kind of like, oh yeah, this is my church, man. I'm like, oh, this is normal for you, okay. And so usually when we talk about the Holy Spirit, maybe for you, that's what you think about. Maybe. And maybe for some of you, you're in love with that. And that's fine. Um, but it makes some people who are maybe raised in a more conservative background a little uneasy. Is that what it means to have the Holy Spirit? Is, is that what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Should those things be taking place? Should they not be taking place? Really, that's debatable, and we could talk about those things for a long time. But for this series, what we want to do is get a, a better biblical definition of the Holy Spirit, who he is, what he does, and how he chooses to work in and through us. Are you with me? Okay, we got some work to do. So we are in Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 11, and Paul is basically saying these promises that God has given to us, they're founded on the basis, obviously, of Jesus, but also in the fact that God now lives in you. God now lives in you. Sometimes, like I said, we see things or we hear things so often, especially in Scripture, that they tend to lose, if we're not careful, they can lose their shock and awe factor. Scripture would call that in Hebrew the yara, right? The shock, the awe. They can, they, can, they can tend to lose that because we've heard them so often. But just for a moment, I want you to think about the God of all creation taking up residence inside of you, caring for you, knowing you, loving you. And this isn't a new concept. In fact, in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, chapter one, second verse, right? we see the Spirit mentioned. Listen to this. It says, Now the earth was formless and empty, or formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God, say Spirit. Spirit. Say Spirit. Spirit. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now I want you to do something for me. I want you just to close your eyes for a moment. And, and I want you to picture the darkness. Come on, you, it's okay. Close your eyes. I want you to picture the darkness that, that assumably God was in before he created light. This is in the beginning. And all of a sudden, God says, let there be light. And all of a sudden, there's a light. Picture that now. And then God begins to shape and mold and build and create the earth. And then we read this in Genesis 1. It says it was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, picture this now, was hovering over the waters. Hovering over the waters. Okay, you can open up your eyes. What do you think of when you think about that? 
Maybe for some of you, you think of like a, like a mist or like a fog. You ever been out to a lake early in the morning or to the ocean very early and you see the fog so thick? Maybe that's what you think about. But here's what I know. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, there is definitely something mysterious. Would you agree? I mean, I get God the Father. I get that. I'm good with that. I've got a dad. I've got a father. So I can understand God the Father. I, I even get God the Son, Jesus Christ. I've seen a picture of him. I don't know if you have. He's a white guy. He's got blue eyes. He's got 1995 Nickelback hair. And he speaks with a British accent. I know him. You should see that picture. I didn't know he looked like that. Um, he doesn't. Okay, that, that was, I got to put that out there. But when it, I can get God. I can get Jesus the Son, but... The Holy Spirit, I, I, don't, I don't understand. Like, and we often refer to, to as, as the Holy Ghost. Now tell that to a, a six-year-old kid that you're talking to about Jesus. You accept Jesus Christ, and then a ghost comes and lives inside of you. Okay, please don't ever talk to me again, Dad, right? It can be a little bit confusing. We have to understand who he is and and what he is. And it's interesting right here. This should help shape some things, right? In Genesis 1, verse 2, the Old Testament word right here for spirit is this word ruach. Would you just say that with me? Say ruach. <laughs> That's bad, but good enough. Um, and it actually means, look at this, it actually means a violent exhalation or a blast of breath. Now think about that. We know that Jesus, John 1, 1, tells us that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? That Word, the Word, is Jesus. So we know Jesus is the Word, but then we see the Spirit is the breath. And so we see God breathing His breath, this violent, loud wind and outpouring. That is the Holy Spirit, fully God. In the New Testament, we see the word spirit again, now not in Hebrew, but in Greek. And it's this word pneuma. And the word pneuma means the same thing. It means a wind. It means a blast of breath or current of air. Now, here's what's different. Here's what's interesting. Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was there. But the Holy Spirit didn't remain. We see in the life of Saul, the king. We see in the life of David. We see David pleading God in his adultery with Bathsheba. God, please don't take your spirit away from me. Well, what's he talking about? The fact is, in the Old Testament, pre-Jesus, right, the Holy Spirit would come and make himself known among people, but he could not remain. Other way to say it, he could not dwell with them. Because dwelling with somebody means you're living with somebody. If you have somebody, one of your buddies hits you up and he says, hey man, could I come crash at your house a couple days? Yeah, sure. But if you have a guy who comes to you and says, hey man, could I come dwell in your home? I'm sorry, what? No, not without rent, right? Because dwelling in means to make a home in. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. He says that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. He dwells in you if you are a follower of Jesus. Now, why is it in the Old Testament the Holy Spirit didn't dwell with us, but actually left, versus the New Testament where the Holy Spirit now comes and dwells inside of us and makes, makes a home inside of us? What's the difference? The difference is Jesus. See, Jesus Christ came. He lived. He died. He rose again so that you and I could have a relationship with God.
In that process of surrendering our lives to Jesus, our sins are forgiven. Paul opens up Romans chapter 8 by saying, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because in God's eyes, you are pure, you are beautiful, you are clean, you are healthy, you are sanctified, you are saved. You are a picture of Jesus. You are his son, you are his daughter. You get that? So now, no matter how you feel, no matter what you've done, if you've come to Christ, you're forgiven. And so now all of a sudden, where there was no sanctification because Jesus had not come, now there is sanctification. Now the Holy Spirit is free to live and dwell in us because of Jesus Christ, because his blood was shed, covered our lives, we are pure, we are clean, we are holy. Are you hanging with me? And so now, are you hanging with me? Does that make sense? Okay, so now the Holy Spirit can live in you. This is amazing. Now, I made this case a little while ago, and I mentioned this, but I want to mention it again, partially because I think it's hilarious, but partially because I think it's a good point. The Jesus inside you is better than Jesus beside you. The Jesus inside you is better than having Jesus beside you. Now, if you were to tell the, we're going to open up to John chapter 14. You can do that while I'm talking. Um, if you were to tell the disciples that, like if Jesus is like, hey guys, I'm gone. I came, I rose from the dead, and now I'm taking off. They'd be like, no, Jesus, what are you doing? Now is the time we capitalize. Like we told everybody that you were the Messiah. You died, you came back. Now we have proof. So now let's go tell everybody. And Jesus is like, nah, I'm, I think I'm going to take off. Right? Like, what are you doing? No. And, and Jesus says something in, in John chapter 14. Look at this. In verse 16, he says, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Then verse 25 says, These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, if I'm hanging out with Jesus, Jesus tells me he's leaving, but then says, no, 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 but I'm going to send you a helper. I would say, let's just be honest, okay? I would say, no, I don't want a helper. I want, I want you here. I want the guy that can make bread and fish multiply. I, I want the guy who can raise my friends from the dead. I, I want the guy who can heal me if I get sick, right? Like, that's what I want. The Jesus, like, think about if, if you had that option today. If, if you had to choose whether having Jesus in you or beside you, many of us would choose Jesus beside us, wouldn't we? Let's just be honest. Because if you took him to your sea life group and you ran out of guacamole, you could just be like, hey, Jesus. He'd be like, all right, yeah. You're like, yeah, you know? <laughs> if, 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 you, if you had your dog get hit by a car, you know, you could just call up Jesus. And Jesus, my dog, he'd be, first off, he'd just be there. He'd just, I'm, right, I'm here, okay. You know, you disappear. And then he'd raise your dog from the dead. If your cat suddenly died, Jesus would be there and help you dig a hole to bury your cat. I mean, <laughs> Jesus, I, that's the second time I've used that joke this month. And I, I'm probably going to use it again. I'm just going to be honest with you. But what I want you to know is that the Jesus in you is better than the Jesus beside you. Because Jesus in you, with Jesus Christ in you, you have a helper, a comforter, a guide. Someone who illuminates scripture. See, anytime the disciples needed Jesus, they had to go find Jesus. And I don't know if you know much about Jesus, but Jesus was sometimes hard to find. 
It was like he was either off in a temple somewhere, off walking around a desert somewhere, or in the middle of the lake where nobody could get him. I'm going away, guys. And he just walks away onto the water in the middle of the lake and nobody can get to him. Like Jesus, you, if you needed Jesus, you had to go access him. But now because of the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus lives in me. I don't have to go find him. I just have to speak. And he is there. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there's something very, very important that Jesus mentions here that's very important. It's just, it's just incredibly important. And I want you to write this down. He, write this down, he is not an it. He is not an it. Jesus says right here, the spirit of truth, I will, he will come. I will send him, the helper. He is this, he is that. He is not, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. Now that may not seem like a big deal to you until you might put it into some real world terms. Like if you were to come to me and say, hey, I know you're married to Vanessa. You guys have been married for 12 years now. And uh, she's a stay at home mom, right? And I'll say, yes. And if you said, now what, what kind of stuff does she do throughout the week as a stay at home mom? Now, let me tell you, if I responded like this, it could maybe get me into some trouble. If I said, well, let me tell you, it cooks and it cleans it changes diapers, and uh, when I come home from work, it's always waiting there with, for me with a smile. Guess what? No. Uh, it would not be waiting there, you know, for me to come home from work with a smile if I referred to her as an it. Because why? She's a person, which means she has feelings. She has emotions. She has dreams. She has fears. She has hopes, aspiration. Aspirations. What I want you to know is that Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit has emotions. Do you know that? Do you know that you can offend the Holy Spirit? Do you know that you can grieve the Holy Spirit? Do you know that you can excite the Holy Spirit? And so first and foremost, just, just in this kind of like soft introduction to this series, you have to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. Yes, the Holy Spirit is fully God, the third portion of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But in itself, in himself, the Holy Spirit has emotions. Very, very, very important for you to understand that. And, and so what I would say is this. When you, and this is going to be a bold statement, but it's backed up biblically, and I would encourage you to study this on your own time as well. But in the moment that you meet Jesus Christ, right, I want you to go back to that moment when you surrendered your life to Jesus, when you asked him into your heart. In that moment, you were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and took up residence inside of you. Are you with me? Okay. Now, here's the question. If that's the case, then why do we read throughout Corinthians and Acts that people who knew Jesus were all of a sudden filled with the Spirit and did miraculous things. Weren't they already filled with the Spirit? Does that mean they got filled with more Spirit? Does that mean that they weren't really filled with the Spirit and they got filled in the Spirit in that point in time? Well, we're not gonna answer that question. I'm gonna talk about that in two weeks from now. Today, though, I wanna talk about the fact that when you come to Jesus, you are in that moment having the Holy Spirit live inside of you. Would you agree with that, yes or no? If that is the case, why do so many of us live spiritless lives? Spiritless lives. The Holy Spirit has come to bring you power, to exalt Christ, to lead you, to help you, to guide you, to comfort you. And yet you never 
engage him. It would be kind of like if, if you got into my car and it was a very hot summer day and uh, you got in and it's all black leather in my car and, and, uh, and if you sat down, you're like, man, it's really hot in here. Yeah, roll down your window. And you're like, oh gosh, why is it so hot? And he's, well, it's a hot day, you know, and we're just kind of driving around and, and then you reach over and you push the air conditioning button in my car and all of a sudden cold air starts streaming out and I'm like, oh man, that feels so good. And you're like, yeah, and you roll up the windows. Let me ask you a question. Was that air conditioning button there all along? Yes. The problem was my car was so hot because I had never engaged the button. It's not that it wasn't there. It's just that I never engaged it. And what I want you to understand is that when you engage the Holy Spirit in your life, he begins to transform and change the atmosphere of your world completely and utterly, just like the air conditioning will change the temperature and the atmosphere of your car when you engage. But here's the thing. He's there. You just have not engaged him. The air conditioning was there. I just hadn't turned it on. And so I'm convinced that there are two reasons why most people live spiritless lives, not ever engaging. Here they are. Number one. Number one is this. We are unaware of him. Maybe we live spiritless lives because we're unaware of him. Acts chapter 19, starting verse 1, says this, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, uh, No, uh, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who has come to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on him, the Holy Spirit came on them. Now, we're like, well, okay, what does that mean? It means this. Some of us are unaware that the Holy Spirit is supposed to be working and moving in our lives. We think that we just get Jesus. And what I want you to know is you get Jesus, but you also get the Holy Spirit. And that's a big deal. And you're like, well, why did this person have to get rebaptized? What's that about? Well, understand that before Jesus came, there was no hope that the Holy Spirit would remain on this earth, correct? There was no hope that the Holy Spirit could take up residence inside of you. In fact, there was no remission for sins. You couldn't necessarily quote have asked Jesus into your heart because Jesus had not come. You couldn't accept Christ's forgiveness because you hadn't been forgiven yet. You couldn't pray and say, well, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Jesus hadn't come yet, so you couldn't pray that. So John the Baptist, you know how John the Baptist got his name, right? John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. Yeah, okay. That's how he got his name. Anyway, um, so John the Baptist was baptizing people, not for salvation reasons, not that baptism saves you, but not because it's like, bury, or, you know, baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost and raise you up. He was baptizing people as a sign that they were believing in a Messiah who was to come. Okay? We don't baptize people for that reason anymore, do we? Why? Because Jesus has already come. So now we baptize people and take them underwater as a symbol, just like Jesus died and rose again. You are being baptized and being brought to new life. And so these guys tell these, these new Christians this, and they're like, oh, well, that's not why we got baptized. Like, we're down with Jesus. We just didn't know we had to do this again. And so they meet Christ, and they're filled with the Spirit. They are unaware. 
of the power that they had access to. And I think most of us live spiritless lives because we're unaware of it. Not knowing that just, just within our grasp is an incredibly new world, okay? A couple years ago, I, I flew, um, I had to fly up to Maine. Um, this was a number of years ago, I had to fly up to Maine. And I don't know if you know this, but Maine doesn't like have a lot of people there, okay? And when you catch a flight to Maine, there's not a whole lot of people on those either. So I got on this plane and I realized I am the only person <laughs> on this whole plane, like flying. I'm the only person from Ohio flying to Maine. I look around, there's literally nobody on there. And so the stewardess comes over and she says, she says uh, sir, we're going to be taxiing around a little bit. As you can see, there's nobody really here. Um, so just, you know, feel free to um, just kind of relax and buckle in. I was like, okay, thanks. And she walked, as she was walking away and I actually stopped her. I said, excuse me, ma'am. And she was like, yes, yeah, yeah. She turned around and I said, um, I have a question. She's like, yeah. And I said, okay, there's nobody else on this plane. Uh, can I choose wherever I want to sit? And she was like, um, I mean, I guess so. And I said, okay, I want to sit up there. And I pointed to first class. And she, was, she looked at me and she was like, uh, well, I'm gonna have to take up with the captain. And I went, there's nobody on the plane. Like, what is there? Like, there's nobody here, right? And she's like, oh, I still have to go ask. She goes and asks the, the captain, comes back. And she said, the captain said it would be okay. And I promise you, it was really kind of creepy because I don't know if he was there the whole time or not, but this little man like, like arose from the seat behind me. is like, I will get your bag, sir. Like, it was like, the, what? It's like a break out of tambourine or something. I didn't know what was going on, right? And instantly I was treated differently, instantly. The guy grabbed my bag, oh, I've got that, sir. And let me, let me show you to your seat. And which one would you like to sit? And I sat down and, and what's amazing about first class, I've never flown in it, they, the, the, the chairs turn into beds. You can like relax, they like kick out. There's music, they provided me with headphones. It was amazing. And after we took off, this lady walked out and she's like, hello, sir, would you like a, a warm towel? And in my mind, I'm like, why? I don't, maybe, I don't, why do I want, but, but in the moment I was like, but of course I would, thank you, you know, and grabbed a warm towel, what do I do with this? I don't really, you know, thank you. Do I give it back? No, okay, you know, so weird. Then they came out and they brought a dinner, like a real meal. It was actual food, you know, not like a half frozen, uh, you know, hot pocket. It was amazing. And I was like, thank you so much. And like, would you like a glass of wine? I was like, oh no, thank you. You know, it was like, I got off and I was like, that was the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. Now here's the problem. I've been flying in planes my whole life. I never knew I could ride first class and all that stuff happened. It was a different world. Same plane, different experience. And what I want you to understand is that many of you living spiritless lives, flying coach, business class, you're supposed to be flying first class. And what God has done is send Christ. And what Christ has done is sent the Spirit. And you need to be filled with the Spirit. And your, your walk through life will be different when you encounter Him and you have been unaware of Him. Point number two, we're getting kind of close to time here. Point number two, why are people living spiritless lives? Well, if they're unaware of Him, then it can only mean something else. Number two, we're resisting Him. We either are unaware or we resist Him. I believe, can I be honest for a moment? Can I be honest with you? Yes. I believe that's most of us. If we wrestle with the Holy Spirit, it's not because we're unaware of him. It's because we're resisting him. Remember Stephen? Stephen in the New Testament, 
young and courageous, bold believer. He was stoned to death. But in Acts chapter 7, he's speaking with a bunch of religious people, and he says this, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. Sounds like a, a good friend. <laughs> he says, you're just like your, your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Think about that. You say, well, what does that mean? How do I resist the Holy Spirit? When is the last time you've heard the voice of the Holy Spirit prompting you to do something? When? Think back. It's usually things that don't involve you being great. It's usually things that involve you being humble. It's usually the, the lady across you at Starbucks or your coffee shop. And you're walking and you're busy. You've got a hundred things. You're, you know, you're, you're on both your phones. You're on this phone, this phone. You're checking your iPad. You've got to get this. You've got to get this. And then the Holy Spirit says, stop, 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 stop. There's somebody here I want you to talk to. Go over there. Sit down. Talk with her. Go, go sit down. Talk with him. And in that moment, you're like, no, 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 I can't. I got too much to do. I'm a pastor. I'm too important. I got to go over here. I got to do this stuff. I got to counseling. I got to do this. I got to write a sermon. I, gotta, I can't go over there. To sit. And that's what I want you to know is that's resisting the Holy Spirit right there, right there in that moment. It's you when you're at a gas station and you see somebody like pulling out, counting pennies, like, oh, and they put $2 in the car when the Holy Spirit says, you, you go ahead, you, you lay out some cash and pay for the gas. I don't know what kind of situation they're in. They probably have money. They probably bought drugs with them. They probably blah, 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 blah. And, and, and I couldn't, that's you resisting the Holy Spirit. It's when you're walking down the street and you see somebody and the Holy Spirit says to you, I want you to go tell him about Jesus. And you're like, oh, I couldn't do that. I could call Travis. I'll call him. He'll come over here. And he loves to talk. He's ridiculous. I'll just call, you know. And that's you resisting the Holy Spirit. You know what the problem is with resisting the Holy Spirit? It becomes easier and easier to resist him because his voice becomes quieter, 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 quieter. And it's not because he's not speaking. It's because our hearts grow harder and harder and harder. It's a dangerous place to be as a Christian, not hearing from God. Can I just say that again? It is a dangerous place to be as a Christian, not hearing from God. So as we launch into this sermon series, as we launch into this, as we talk about this, I, I really want to get this point across. You are either unaware, which now you're hearing this, so that can't be the case, or you are resisting. Which is it? Which is it? The Holy Spirit's always going to ask you to do things that make you uncomfortable. That's just the way it is. Jesus always asked his disciples to do things that made him uncomfortable. That's just the way it is. But this is what Jesus does. This is what the Holy Spirit does. And I also want to say this. As you are investigating and learning and growing through this series about the Holy Spirit, I would, I would, I would say be careful. Because we tend to swim, swing one pendulum this way or one pendulum to the other way. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of times I walk into to churches with some of my friends or worship experience and they talk about the Holy Spirit. And I love hearing about the Holy Spirit. But you know the problem with that? Is when I don't hear the name Jesus Christ. Because you know what the Holy Spirit does? He loves to make much of Jesus Christ. And so when I'm in an environment and I hear, let the Holy Spirit come, let the Holy Spirit fall, may the Holy Spirit go forth, may the Holy Spirit come like fire. Listen, I'm down with that. But if you don't ever talk about Jesus, I'm out of there. 
Because the Holy Spirit is all about making Jesus famous. And if you're about Jesus and Jesus is in you through the Holy Spirit, then you should be too. When's the last time you heard from Jesus? When's the last time you made much of Jesus? Are you resisting the Holy Spirit? Thank you for listening to this message from our series, God is in Us at Covenant Church. We hope you were impacted by this message today. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing here in this ministry, feel free to give online at covenantchurch.us forward slash give.